Hello everyone and welcome to your uncle's beach house, episode 20. I'm Jackson, I'm joined by M as usual. Gundam time. Gundam time. Now, this is the non-Gundam anime podcast. Oh. Uh, where we watch some anime and talk about it. We are joined by a guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Time and Patience. I was on the episode for Eccentric Family. Uh, yes. How ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that feels like it was 800 <laughs> years ago at this point. Uh, six I, months. I, yeah. It's, it's been a long time. The, the year's been weird. We were going down, like, seeing what was in the last year, and whoo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking, me and Jackson were talking about this anime, uh, specifically when the protagonists went on their journey, and I answered, we, we, the decision we came to, it was somewhere between two years and 7,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's how I feel about how long it is between beach houses sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really does. It really does feel like that. Uh, but the anime we are covering today, uh, the time patient suggested for us, is the 2003 anime Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World, um, which is based on light novels, uh, Kino's Journey light novels, written by uh, Keiichi Sigasawa. Uh, the show is directed by uh, Ryutaro Nakamura, and it aired in 2003. The light novels started in 2000 and are still going. Still going. <laughs> still going. Uh, Ryutaro Nakamura is well known for Serial Experiments Lane and Ghost Hound. Um, the script for this show is done by uh, Sadayuki Murai, who also worked on Natsume's Book of Friends and the original Boogie Pop adaptation. So, pretty pretty good uh, group to make the adaptation, I think. Yeah, it's always nice when you're on because you know the names of people, and <laughs> we just do not. It's like peeking in. Uh, it's very helpful and good, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, uh, the the basic premise is that. It is set in, like, vague steampunk land, <laughs> um, where everything is, uh, like, a European fantasy, uh, like, world, but also there's sometimes technology and there's weapons and, you know, you know it is of an anime type, I feel like. Yeah, it's um, it's what if P- Professor Layton was, had no charm. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Kino lives in this world and travels each each episode to a new country uh, and experiences usually the story of that country sometimes the story of some people she runs into they're all very small self-contained stories uh with like a little twist and a moral and then continues next week there's no arc like akino has a history 
But aside from that, it's just episodic shows uh, for 13 episodes. So I can't do the usual plot summary. That That's it. That's the plot. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's honestly why it's good. Um, Even the uh, arcs that are in the show aren't really ordered. Like there, there are some callbacks to yes. different things. So like an element of the first few episodes might be introduced later in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time becomes like uh, kind of irrelevant. It, like the journey is ongoing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we meant by it could have been four or three thousand years, um, because of uh, how just just how uh, unchanging yet uh, constantly transient uh, all of these episodes are. Yeah, there's a there's a real like fairy tale sense mm-hmm. to yes. everything where, you know, Kino will always journey to a new land and the new land will always have a name and that name will depict the things that are going on in that village or city and things will go usually kind of poorly but in like a way where you pull out a moral and then Kino rides off. Like the form is so strict that it creates this mythic quality that yes. like mm. displaces all sense of time and space. Very, very much like fables and the vignettes. Yeah. Like different aspects they want to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I don't really know how we should approach talking about this because of the show being so uh, like based in this form. It's very self-evident in mm-hmm. what it's about. But I'm assuming a lot of people haven't actually seen the show. So um, do we want to go episode by episode? Or do we just want to hit the important episodes because there's thirteen. I feel like we should at least cover the like Kino origin thing bit first for people okay. if they haven't listened episode to episode four that's episode four yes yeah land of yeah. adults where uh Kino is a young girl uh, whose name is never given um when she just living in a town her parents run an inn and she's about to turn 12 and a traveler named Kino this like you know mid 20s early 30s guy rides in on a bike uh, or no, he comes in and he's like trying to fix up a bike and he's explains to that he's a traveler and she's very taken with him, but she's about to turn 12 and at 12, everyone in the village, uh, basically undergoes like a surgery to remove their ability to like, like rebel. It's basically like they're, they lobotomize the population when they turn 12. Um, and it changes their personality and makes them willing to do whatever job is necessary of them. And, uh, you know, young girl Kino does not want to do this, and Traveler Kino is nebulously like, oh yeah, that sounds terrible, but in a way he's not committing to. Um, And when she speaks up to her parents, uh, they decide that she's defective and try to kill her, and uh, the Traveler Kino gets in the way and uh, gets stabbed for her, and then she takes the bike that he was fixing up and rides off with it. And that's how she began her journey. Um, important yes. to note: the original Kino is voiced by Jared's voice actor from. The oh, <laughs> good! That's oh, amazing. Yes, thank you. I would not have noticed, but that's great. That's so good. good. Also, Kakashi. He does Kakashi. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's interesting how the show kind of contrasts um, both this and like kind of the last episode, but also like um, the like how governments um i guess interact with like um that sort of aspect with so like episode 11 has the um man who underwent the operation to um sort of 
lose his self-consciousness or whatever. Mm -hmm. And very similar sort of like repetitions, but from different angles uh, with different stories in, in the show. Uh, yeah, so because like th- it's about similar things to a lot of anime that uh, we've we've mm-hmm. seen at least, but because each uh, like country is so different, it ends up being like every episode is kind of an anime in microcosm. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first episode, the country is uh, like run entirely by machines, and everyone's in their houses because uh, in that country they all uh, had a magic liquid. They basically drank some milk to hear everyone's thoughts, and mm. we can join everyone's thoughts together. And now people can understand each other, and it turns out that's awful, um, and everyone's sad about it. And then there's like another one where it's like this advanced place, and where no one has to work because it's all run by machines, but uh, the humans just can't like allow that to happen so they start like, inventing jobs of che- checking the machine stuff or like using the machine because the machine's never wrong so they're like just mm-hmm. doing calculations to make sure they can also do calculations and then checking it against the machines it's like, just, like the meaningless generation of work um that episode and, also and the, had the other aspect of work with the railroad yes. worker Yes, because that yeah, that, that's like the the world without work, and then they invent work, and then at the same time, you need the three railroad railroad workers, and one person's cleaning the tracks, and it has a conversation with him, and then she goes further down the tracks, and there's a guy bringing up the tracks, and the episode's called like Three Men Along the Rails, and you go, oh no, because <laughs> um, <laughs> you know that there's a third guy on the rails who's putting the tracks back down again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't know the other exists, but they're all doing this like completely pointless work because it was uh, demanded of them, and there's nothing else they can do. And uh, yeah, the, the the show is like a lot in many ways about like various structures that exist to make being a person and having to like do the th- shitty jobs and live the shitty lives that humans live bearable and different approaches, and they're all pretty bad and sad, right? Like the show isn't. Uh, the show's not a um uh what's the word like it's not in the way that you know we watch gundam and it's about what's the possibilities of the future and stuff it's not about that it's more about like just coming and seeing different approaches to these Mm -hmm. ideas and the ways in which they uh interface usually with like regular people it's less concerned with the broader big ideas of there's only one episode where she actually goes up to the person in charge and shoots them um (laughs) Usually, it's just about seeing how the people in these various places uh, survive, or occasionally do not, and sometimes a society died long before Kino arrived. Uh, the thing I think of, it's specifically like the final episode, which I think is really yes. incredible. Where yes. uh, she goes, uh, Kino travels to this land uh, and basically runs across herself before she went on the journey, like the day yes. before. Like there's this young girl uh, named Sakura. Uh, her name is Lily Sakura. Uh, at least, because I listen, I watch most of this in the dub. I don't know if this is the case in the subtitles. It's just I was Sakura uh, in the subtitles. Okay, yeah. They changed her name to Lily Sakura, which is the most unnecessary change possible yeah. to do some flower puns. That, that's um, my um, that's my uh, like Ao3 account. Yeah, yes. it's implied that's Kino's original name too. Yes, yes, because yeah, she's like because uh, when the, the original Kino came to her, she's uh, when she's telling the story, she's like, I don't remember my name. I only remember that children changed 
changed it a little bit to make fun of me. Um, and that's what these, uh, this is happening to this girl where they're making fun of her name. Uh, and you know, her parents are in a hotel or whatever. Uh, but unlike them, uh, Lily or Sakura seems really excited to run the hotel, very into it. Uh, and Kino ends up seeing herself in this and clearly is like, thinking of the narrative of what happened like is it is it my turn is this what happens does the karmic wheel spin and i die and pass the torch to a new villager uh that goes on the travelers like travels instead of me uh and then like is like i'm gonna stay one more day and see if that's what's gonna happen and the people are like no you said three days you have to leave and so she leaves and it turns out that that's the day that like the entire uh like uh village is covered in lava and uh it's a bad time yes very very uh, early and, in, and, in kino's journey it seems yeah and also but like also it flies in the face of like the idea that you can narrativize like individual experiences like so much of this show is like in like these vignettes are there and you can take something from them for yourself but they don't amount to anything like broadly concrete like kino mm-hmm. comes in this village and sees this situation it's like this is what life is about this is about the cycle of renewal and i will pass on and give my mantle to this person especially as this positioned even if it's seemingly like an earlier journey it's positioned at the end of the show right so it's like this is what happens like you know the the wheel turns and there's things renew and things pass away and it just doesn't fit neatly together like that she's forced to confront the fact that there is no greater meaning to her journeys mm-hmm. um Uh, the yeah the moment where like because you're waiting for the turn on the episode the the land she's traveled to has like a really shitty reputation among travelers mm. and uh there's been other episodes where you know people <laughs> seem nice and they're actually sinister like that's a it's a trope with the show and the show knows you know that and also that kino knows that and she spends the whole episode waiting for the other shoe to drop and it just just doesn't until they all die like completely meaninglessly from something that has nothing to do with any of the conflicts that have been brought up and it gets wrapped around in like a, a we we discovered this uh we decided not to leave our land this is basically their argument for why they all died rather than running away mm-hmm. the parents thought that the children didn't know too but from uh, Sakurai's letter to kino it seemed clear that she yes. was aware and decided not to go of her own volition she's like yeah i'm gonna live out the rest of my life here yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that episode also ends with uh, Ermi's going, uh, what are we doing here? And she's like, well, I don't really know, but I think we should fi- think about it a little bit. <laughs> uh, which is a, a great like reaction to everything that has happened where, you know, uh, there's a lot of, because it has such like a, a like fairy tale quality, like it's, it's like has a lot of moralism, but what it amounts to like a statement is always kind of nebulous and kind of left to reflect on uh, in a way that I think is good to make the text that Kino is also trying to figure out what any of this means. Mm-hmm. Like it, things are yes. told very clearly, but like the things to draw from them are very ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. So it leaves a lot of room for maybe not interpretation, but like contextualizing with the rest of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm trying try, going down the list of these episodes mm. and like, I think I think I liked most of them. They're, they're largely pretty good. Uh, one last thing for episode, the last episode. Um, the last Japanese episode. voice actress for Sakura, the, the kid, uh, is Aoi Yuki. Uh, and mm-hmm. she kind of spearheaded the remake and is the voice for Kino in that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's a shame that seems like it's a bad show. It, it's not great in comparison. <laughs> 
Uh, we talked about this before we turned on the mics, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there's a 2017 remake uh, or another adaptation of the books uh, called Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World, the animated series. Uh, not confusing at all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, which uh, is uh, was decided upon by a reader poll of their favorite stories, and those are the ones they're going to adapt, which means that you have an anime that, uh, well, one, looks like a 2017 anime. We'll talk about the way the show looks right after this, because I think it's uh, Incredible. interesting. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also, uh, because it's an audience poll, they do, the adaptation is skewed towards like big, impactful, like action violence episodes. Yes, uh, seems like episode two ish, I think. Yes, it's episode two, which is a two parter in the middle of this show where Coliseum is Kino, you know, walking into a kingdom that is maybe the worst kingdom of all in terms of like their political situation. And we've seen Kino be passive enough that it, you know, you're like, oh, like she will suffer even this. And she doesn't. She fucking kills the king <laughs> and walks out. <laughs> um, and it's incredible that it has two episodes to like make that choice is impactful because every other time she doesn't choose that path. Yes. But, you know, in the remake, second episode, you barely know who these characters are that's what she does she goes into towns and f- overthrows their evil governments and rides off into the sunset the framing of that in the 2017 adaptation is also very st- it's like i'm gonna prove something is kind of the vibe and it's very weird and you don't get the sort of setup of episode six in this show where it's kind of like showing the environment and interacting with those other characters and then episode seven when uh, the person she was fighting uh, she was killed after like telling her story by the king and it's kind of like seems more like uh maybe not revenge but like really to stick it to the king who killed that uh woman and then also killed the husband uh by extension like the whole setup of a lady she met earlier uh 2017 doesn't really go into all that as much uh, she also spends all of episode six fighting steampunk big boss which is is pretty good six is cool (laughs) Uh, very happy to just have Big Boss in there. And th- the the compulsion to violence in Kinos is really interesting because uh, you get to uh, episode two, like episode two has her, because like episode one is just, you know, relatively chill um, and sad and quiet or whatever. And episode two uh, seems like it's going to be like, like she helps some guys that are stuck in the snow over winter. She helps them hunt for food as they, you know, eat and regain their strength so she can help them get their truck out of the snow when it thaws. Only only for them to like try to capture her because they're you know human traffickers and want to kidnap her because she's useful and there's this great scene where they ask her to take uh off all of her guns she does and she's throwing down her many knives uh strapped all over and she pulls out one knife and you see that the handle is like a revolver uh and she and they don't notice and she uses that to shoot them and then attack and kill them all and the violence because it's been two episodes of just kind of quiet reflection is is really impactful given that it's like you know relatively short uh and it just is brutal she murders these guys and seems has no remorse about it her remorse seems to stem from like uh killing those rabbits for them and helping yes. nursing them and then them turning out to be you know human traffickers it was like mm-hmm. impactful to kino in in a way that i think wasn't in a lot of the other uh arcs yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is more about the like th- her efforts of helping people or like seeing things were wasted on these guys who were terrible mm-hmm. uh, more than like I had to kill these guys. Yeah, and I feel like that episode 
like all the the first half being about the rabbits, right? It's like she is contemplating the cycle of how much violence has to inherently happen for some life to exist. Um, and then it's just uh, greeted with something senseless and that spits in the face of any of that. And um, I feel like it's handled really well because when in the context of the 2017 series and what I know about that and the way you can approach these stories, you could easily bring that into like edgelord territory. And um, the way it's handled here is uh, much softer than that, even though it's about like, human traffickers who are also cannibals mm-hmm. well, there's also this also like feeds into the tr- decision at the end of episode 12 where she goes to a village that engages in a proxy war where the two vil- the two countries that were at war have decided to only attack this like defenseless tribal village nearby and which one kills the most people is the one that is declared the winner uh the gundam fight maybe you've heard of it <laughs> uh <laughs> And uh, she goes to all this and is clearly disgusted and thinks this is like the worst thing that could possibly happen. Uh, as this is all explained, she then leaves only to be surrounded by these villagers who are mad because she saw, they saw Kino come out of the village that has murdered them. Um, and when they surround her, she like has to defend herself and shoots one of them. And this, this moment where she realizes that like instinctively, she also will choose the selfish murder over like of people who are helpless um in the same way that those people will i think is like a good like nuanced like riff on that stuff in episode two where she kills people basically without remorse other than the waste of time that they represented and like resources you know because she Mm -hmm. had to kill his rabbits or whatever but in this one uh when pushed against the wall she also can be like you know thoughtless and brutal uh when her life is threatened in the way that uh, many of the villages she goes through are people being thoughtless and brutal because they feel threatened yeah and like they love the way the episode ends where she's just like i'm not going to the other the other the other country yeah. now sorry um, there's sorry, no need mate. because it's um like so much of these episodes is her going to places and finding something tragic but uh it's a it's a small moment but it's really meaningful for her to say no actually i i know i can put it together and we sometimes we don't need to see things maybe it's actually better to not go to certain places mm-hmm. um when it's so also a good uh, one bit. It's also like a good condemnation of the the culpability of being so passive. Often, yes, that, yes, like yes. He, yeah, because Kino's a character that you know will ride in and look at the problems and see things are bad, but not be willing to affect a lot of change most of the time. Uh, there are plenty of places she rides away from that, like her riding away, is a, a an evil act to me, the viewer. Like you should you should be involved in those things. Um, and seeing her also grapple with the moral cost of like being an actor in this world, even if she's not like the head of a society i think is very really good yeah i feel like the show is really smart about what the idea of a traveler is but there's not it's not like a, a codified class of people in this universe but it is tr- like the when a traveler comes to town it is treated with more reverence than someone showing up would be in a, a place so it definitely like portrays these like people who can transiently come in and stay and uh, uh, participate in a different kind of space to engage with the society than the people who are trapped in all these places by choice or not. Um, and yeah, so the, the way that all kind of came to a head there and showed that like, there is no such thing as being neutral when you're just showing up all the places and usually talking to the powerful people and side-eyeing them and then driving off. Yeah. The town's interactions with um, travelers in general is, is interesting, like the different ways that they portray that. Um, I think episode three had the town that um, 
uh, did tried out different traditions and uh, to try to uh, get the travelers to partake in them. Uh, and then they had the deposed king's descendant in the forest. And then you have like episode uh, 13, which we talked about previously, where the reasons why they were uh, uh, kind and um, welcoming was to leave a better impression that they had in the past because their legacy at that point would have been being really mean to travelers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, like, the way from that, right, it spreads out is that, um, what was I saying? Is that while travelers are also, like, kind of aggressors in the spaces of these places, um, they are also the means by which those countries exist in other parts of the world, like reputation spread because people will come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the show is very aware of the both sides of that relationship with Kino and by extension, all the travelers we don't see um, because it is definitely implied that like a, a travelers are not like uncommon, but they are special and they are part of this world. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, I don't think it bears much discussion in uh, the broader themes we we're talking about, but I, I have to mention episode 10, which I think is just an incredible episode of anime, uh, which is the Tale of, Mecha- uh, Tale of Mechanical Dolls, uh, in which Kino uh, goes uh, to this like hut, which she thinks it's supposed to be like a, a country here, and there's not, and she finds this hut, and there's this old lady who serves this uh, like wealthy couple and their young son, and you walk in, and you're like, uh, or she sees the old lady and the old lady responds to her in such a weird way that Kino assumes that she is a mechanical lady and the lady does not dissuade her. Um, and she goes to the, the house and the people in the house all also seem like robots. And it's like, okay, so this is just like a bunch of people being robots. Though Kino seems to think that it's obvious that the old lady is robots and that the family is not robots, which is very funny to me, a person who's seen anime before. <laughs> um and then, like, yeah. halfway through the episode, the old lady takes Kino uh, to, she's like, I want to show you something. And she shows her uh, that the country she was looking for is all buried underwater, uh, and it's only visible at certain times of day when the sun doesn't sheen on the lake uh, that covers the vill- the country, and that everyone used to be there, uh, and, at like, right at this time... Um, the uh the you know they talk about the village being flooded and that's when they talk the it's revealed that the old lady is just a human because she dies <laughs> yep and uh kino is a very thrown by this and then the family bury her and they're like what do we do now and she's like what do you mean and it's like well we existed to serve her and they all take off their heads and reveal that they're robots um and that you know uh she built so she had something to do like she has a family to take care of because that's the thing she wanted um and they cared for her because they gave her purpose and you know looked out for her uh and they're like we we would like to be family for you now and kino's like ah i don't really need a family i'm gonna get out of here and like well that's really sad to hear and then they all jump off the cliff together <laughs> into the lake that they uh, were the, the country they is. built the dam to flood the area too yes yeah um and then, uh, you know, Keenan rides away. And my reaction on watching this, uh, one, it's an incredible episode, but two, uh, Yoko Taro is on notice. <laughs> <laughs> He's on uh, notice. Here on the online. Because this is just every side quest and storyline in near Automata, uh, in 22 minutes. And it, it's better. It's better. It's, it's better. much better. It's much better. Uh, this was the only episode that, like, made me cry with the bit where they were talking about, um, stuff with, uh, the, the old lady. Um, 
Much like Nia, though, I think the final tag of everyone uh, jumping to the death is not is not really needed. Uh, I didn't see it as like the thing is I didn't see it as super tragic. It reminded me of like when we watched Paranoia Agent, the kind of like mm-hmm. release of oblivion state that. Uh, you know, you can see as tragic, but I think they are happier jumping off than like working in that house alone with no humans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but that's like part of the tragedy, right? Is that they don't have the yeah. ability to imagine we could just be people living our lives. Um, sure, but at the same time, like if they believe that, then who, who am I to sit there and say, "No, it's sad that they jumped off." Um, you're a person. <laughs> Uh, like I feel, I feel like that is you are meant to take that away. I guess like that's like a philosophical debate about the whole yeah. show, right? Is yeah, a lot of people are doing things according to belief structures that uh, often Kino as the audience surrogate will come in and look at them and go, "This seems messed up." Um, and the show is usually, but not always, right? Remember, we're like usually neutral enough uh, in those moments to let them sit to the points where when it is not neutral, it is much more impactful. Yes. Um, and yeah, I guess at least my reaction to that is I do, I do think it's uh is it is someone should have said don't jump off the cliff, but Kino's not that person. It's also very uh, sudden yeah. too. Um, yes, they walked like backwards facing towards Kino. Uh, I'm also not the person who would say anything to them. What's wrong so, with you? No, I just I just think it's fine. I think it's fine. No. No. Living no. in an endless purgatory that they're unhappy with is so much worse than like choosing the thing that they will give them uh, like a release. You know, everyone is living in an endless purgatory they're unhappy with in this world. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, what are the other episodes you want to hit? Uh, as we go through these. Well, the one thing I, I did want to mention because I think it's interesting is the way this anime looks because we haven't talked about this. Yes. Um, and so, you know, this is an anime from the early aughts. So it has, a, I would describe as like a relatively simplistic, but like, you know, d- nice style. Like everything is very consistent, but mm-hmm. like characters are rendered in, uh, you know, a relatively like not simple form, but you know, they're not like super adorned every, like, it just looks like early aughts anime in a way that I have a hard time explaining. Um, did you paint but on top? I think is, is yeah. true for that era is used frequently. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely like, you know, it, it is an anime that is co- digitally colored. That is clear. Um, but also on top of everything is fake scan lines, which is an interesting choice um, that I really, really like. Actually, it's just surprising to me because I went into this knowing it's from the Lane guy and Lane is all about, you know, about di- digitization and the encroaching of computer uh, aesthetics and technology on the world. Um and I was like, is this about stuff like that? Is it, is it speaking to some greater reveal that like all of this is like, is this an isekai? <laughs> is it not going to be revealed that I've been traveling through an MMO at some point um, through all of this because of the unreality of it all? And it's not any of that. It's just, it's just a choice. And it's really interesting to give like, you know, at the time, a more digital anime, like a specific analog, like sheen on top of everything like literally they put a facade of the old way you watch stuff uh on top of a show that i watched on my ipad which does not have scan lines <laughs> the uh director yes. ryutara nakamura uh worked under asuma dezaki at a madhouse mm-hmm. who's well known for aim for the ace the rose of versailles uh, tomorrow's show yeah um 
And he he actually worked in a lot of like kids stuff before kind of going on to do Lane and kind of swerving more towards like um darker is not the word, but like a little bit more somber stuff. Yeah. Um so he he has kind of like an interesting a- approach, I think, to um he started out as an animator, which is not not uh, absurdly common for directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the scanlines. Um, I don't know, like, why in the moment the choice was made, but um, the movie does I not do think... have them. I should say that's oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, because I think like the difference between watching this compared to watching um, Paranoia Agent, which is my main pull, in that it is a show from this time that I watched it also in SD, right? Like, it hasn't it just the mm-hmm. files that were around at the time? Those are the ones I saw because um, a lot of shows that I will see in like remastered forms. Uh, when I come back to them and they've just been made HD. Whereas I think the effect of this is that it just doesn't look soft in the way that I associate with this era of digital anime because of the like res that the files are at and SD broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like I don't know why they would make the choice because I assume most people would have CRTs at the time. It only makes sense if you're thinking about people watching this on LCDs in the future. Um, but it's a, it's a really cool look. Yeah, because they also are like they they don't really work the same way like scan lines and like a like an emulator if you're playing like a NES game no. would right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. they 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 are fake in like this very specific evocative way uh, where they feel like scan lines that were animated into an anime show right like if so if a character was watching TV in an anime and the TV had scan lines that's what they would look like they don't look like real scan lines mm-hmm. yes. Um, and it's just it's just an interesting choice that I like a lot. Um, I know there's like an SD Blu-ray of this show uh, that was released. I assume there's no HD version. No, um, yeah, I think they're all like 700 by something. Yeah, and I just I like the idea that that's just not possible because of this choice, where like you know because it has this one choice, or maybe because of the way it was originally produced, you can't you can't make it HD, uh, which makes me think of like early digital films like 28 days later Mm -hmm. which is a movie that is shot on cameras that can't get to 1080p so there is no source that is high enough to be in a blu-ray um it just looks like shit when you blow it up because that's the digital cameras they were using it was early days um they just look bad it's full of artifacting and that is the reality of the way it was shot um and i think it's cool to see an anime like lean into the aesthetics of production like that Mm -hmm. um because i just feel like you don't see it that often yeah, I agree. I have much more to add, but I, I really like it. I like the effect. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, it's just interesting because, like, early aughts is an anime, like, era that I uh, remember at the time thinking every anime looked bad, and it's nice to go back and find the ones that look really good and are interesting. Um, I think <laughs> this show is unique in the way that it, like, approaches that sort of, the, I guess, limitations of the era. The Another show I really like that came out in 2002, um, Renme does not look... Uh, good news Good news about our next beach house. Oh, Really? Yes, that's what we're doing next. There we go, I guess. Uh, I really like that show, but it there there are moments where I'm like, I wish this show was made like five years later, where the elements of it that uh, are like early uh, DigiPaint don't seem to work as cohesively as they do in in uh, Kino's journey. Where I feel like a lot of the compositions really strong, the background look really nice. Um, mm-hmm. 
and it feels very it's it's nice to watch Kino's journey, I guess I should say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing it kept reminding me of is like I said, uh, Professor Layton, but it reminds me of the cutscenes that like level five produced for that. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Like just very, very soft, uh, like, but not super lush, like backgrounds of European, like you know, Japanese Europe as uh, my favorite. Relative, <laughs> yeah, relatively, relatively like flat colored character, like you know, character models live in those scenes. For sure, um, I think it, I think it's a really good look. Yeah, the aesthetic's so strong throughout. Yeah. Also, Kino's just like. A cool riff on like, like you know, the man with no name, like drifting from place to place with her long trench coat and uh, like relatively like androgynous look, uh, like this this literal child that drives into town with five knives and six guns. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's cool. just a good aesthetic and is very polite <laughs> to everyone always. Yes, yes. Um, because it'd be really easy for this to tip its hand into like she rides in a town and shoots the bad guys and rides like full on Western nonsense. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes it steps right up to that line where like every every day Kino is practicing her quick draw because who knows when she's going to need to use it. And it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> um, the, every time a, a character talks to her about guns, you get the sense that like this comes from someone who likes guns way more than I ever will. <laughs> um, yeah, I need to read out the second sentence on his <laughs> Wikipedia page. Um, uh, the other's pen name uh, was derived from Sig Sauer, a firearms manufacturer, uh, and a, a manga hero, uh, which is definitely uh, Kichi uh, Morisato from Oh My Goddess, according to the afterword in the second volume of Gakken Kino. He loves to travel, ride his motorcycle, and is a self-professed gun maniac. <laughs> um, I've heard that uh, the author, original author, was inspired by a lot of... Uh, Galaxy Express three nines, which is kind of an interesting. Oh, it's uh, pronounced three nines. Oh yeah, three three nine that's three nines. Yeah, I'm gonna say I, Galaxy Express nine nine nine. I'm I'm just uh, I'm sorry. In, in the show, they will say three nine. I'm sorry to say. I didn't I didn't realize this was like common Rider Fies <laughs> situation. Three nines. Yeah, it's that's incredible. It's I'm good. all for it. Well, 999 is like the emergency number here. That's like 911. Uh, I think 39 is... Uh, I have a, someone who listens to this, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I'm under the impression that it's due to like railway uh, terminology and like phrasing, like because it is about trains in space. Uh, not about, okay. but like that is the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by okay. Leiji... Um, oh, God... Matsumoto, I think, uh, who yeah. also did Space Battleship Yamato and uh, uh, Harlock. Yeah. Okay. Very famous. Oh. Um, was there anything else we wanted to wanted to get to in this episode? Um, M touched on something that I think was interesting of like um, this sh- uh, they they were expecting the show to maybe get like meta based on like scan lines and, and the lane director there was one episode that yes. kind of touched um on that a little bit which was the one that oh, yes. was focused on uh i guess media and uh, uh critics in general and had, had a little bit of that aspect mm. episode nine i think yeah, yeah land of books uh which is uh where kina goes 
to a country that's land of books like shows up with a book to trade and then gets involved in the the debates in that country around which books can be shown and which ones are harmful because some books like made people unable to tell the difference between fantasy and reality and so they banned the books that would do that and then people are fighting to uh restore the books and some people are not and then uh Kino meets with the author of these like famous books who kind of like tears down some of the myth making around authorship and writing as a thing um and then uh, like eventually the the uh the castle it's called where they keep all the uh banned books uh it burns down and they are they are all lost yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I guess uh, the reason I didn't bring that up when I was talking about this is uh, this is probably my least favorite episode of the it's season. Very I think strange. it's really hokey. Yeah, I, it's, ve- it's very hokey. F- feels kind, maybe not out of place, but like it definitely feels the most separate and disjointed from the rest of the show. I guess. Yeah, shows it's like the show like walks this line throughout the season, but on this episode, it just suddenly becomes standalone complex for an episode. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> um. Because that is also a show about, like, often ideas that can be very hokey, like, well-trodden sci-fi things saved by really good writing and tone and characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is the most <laughs> that uh, Kino's journey gets into that stuff. Um, I like, yeah, I like some of it, but I definitely think as a whole it was a bit uh, on the nose and not necessarily uh, that great in terms of... Uh, like what the show does well, which I think is usually more like less when, loads of people like because this episode fits in basically a season's worth of people yelling about the like uh, meta stuff and friends in reality mm-hmm. and what happens when you uh, like what fiction means is fiction even fiction because aren't we all creating meaning at all times etc etc uh, into twenty two minutes and it doesn't have the space for like the quiet moments of humanity that the other episodes have i don't get a sense of what it's like to live in this country and why that is like sad and difficult in the way that i do for most of the other countries in the show there's also this also hinges upon this big reveal where like the people who were part of the like publishing rebellion are the like when they're captured they're the people who turn into the critics like they're made to critique the books and decide what comes out and what doesn't which is an extremely like you know when you're young you're a leftist but when you get older you're definitely going to become a conservative thing that i find really repellent yes (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I just think it doesn't like it's so wrapped in its metaphor about like books and publishing and like the ways in which art can be stymied by bureaucracy that it walks into some like things I just think are badly formed opinions about the world. Which are like is interesting because I feel like the show walks up to the idea in another episode right when we talked about episode 12 where basically the woman who invented this what if we go slaughter the tribe proxy war uh, says you'll feel differently when you're older. Um and you know, when you have kids, you'll also want to murder the tribes to protect them. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Kino, Kino basically uh, looks at her and is like, yeah, yeah, I sure will. Fuck off. <laughs> um, so, like, it, when it was more intentionally about that, I do feel like the show shies away from saying that it is inevitable that this happens as you get older. But in this episode, it for sure stumbles into it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And part of this is because so much of this reminded me of, like, Nier, uh, which is a, you know, a franchise founded upon, like, re- meta twist reveals, like, 
I literally was expecting in like episode 10 or, you know, just like towards the end of the season, Kino to accidentally fall, like come across a part where like the entire land is a machine that like, you know, peel off some dirt and there's gears grinding down there or something. Um, And I'm glad it never went that way because a a different anime could very easily do that. Yeah. uh, I've played that video game. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also like Professor Layton is known for this. Like everything has some ridiculous scientific answer to the paranormal shit. That's been the form of the entire story up to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. we mentioned the um, stuff with the, uh, you know, the, the the mechanical dolls for Yokotara being on, on watch, but it really cannot be stressed how much it's also the whole show. Uh, the aesthetic is the same, like the weird yes. washed out, like here's the world and we're all getting on. Uh, the like cuts to the title cards with people thinking things is the same. Uh, the arbitrary like kingdom of rules is identical. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like, uh, yeah. And it's fine. There are worse things to steal, but yeah, uh, no. I'm just saying, if if any if anyone listening uh, really likes Nier, you need to watch. this Need show. to. <laughs> it's right it's there. Really good. It's probably better. Um, I mean, we are we are avowed Nier dislikers, yes. but I, I think the, it, it will be of a kind in the way that you will enjoy, regardless of how Absolutely. you feel about Nier. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of what we haven't touched on. Um, I guess episode eight was um kind of a very light-hearted flight episode that came after oh, the coliseum yes. yeah i love that episode it, it is it is extremely we are going to make a fake studio ghibli <laughs> episode of kino's journey uh all about a town rallying around a woman who wants to build an airplane <laughs> but with the like uh wrinkle that kino is extremely not in a studio ghibli movie <laughs> Yes. Yeah, at the end of the episode, or, Kino's like, yeah, you know, I didn't think it'd work. Looks like magic, I guess. Yeah, the episode rules because, yeah, it's it's just uh, the the town won't let me fly my plane, but even though I've invented it because of, like they don't want to move the statue so I can get the runway, and <laughs> then Kino helps her, and then she flies the plane, and it's good, and everything's okay. She doesn't even have to dump her awful her, her fiancé, who sucks so much. I hate him. Just the worst. He's <laughs> just the... Oh, Please stop trying to fly planes and be my normal wife. <laughs> um, but in any other episode, that would be like part of the tragedy. But it's not. It's fine. She flies the plane. Everything works out. It's all good. And then, yeah, and then Kino drives off. I was like, you know, I did. I did not think that was going to happen. <laughs> I thought they were all doing really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was good. It was well placed in the series for like a moment of uh, just mm-hmm. kind of quiet levity. Um, it's a nice story about a nice woman in a nice plane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, th- I think we've actually like basically touched yeah. on all the episodes now, at least a little bit for each of them. I think we uh, yeah. are doing pretty good. Uh, I really liked um, Kiron Hermes's, um like little asides during the show, uh, and the little like at the end of episodes, like the preview. They had some nice interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was really surprised at how much Hermes does not really function in the plot other than Kino's sounding board. Mm-hmm. Um, it it because you would you would think the talking motorcycle would have like something to do or some like broader relevance, but it's just like Kino couldn't get anywhere without him. Obviously, in the way that they talk about like you know, uh, Hermes provides the speed, Kino provides the balance, like the symbiosis of traveler and steed, but. 
you know, outside of like talking to that dog that one time, Hermes <laughs> doesn't really do a lot, uh, which I think is like good. I think it's good to have a character that exists only really for Kino to have someone to talk to and like push her through these situations. Um, I just am surprised at the choice because it's so antithetical to like how you would think about characters operating in a plot. Mm-hmm. I I love how matter of fact uh, Hermes is in uh, the presentation of this talking bike because like the first scenes of the show are Kino talking to the bike and they like go out of their way to not like shoot the bike any differently from if the bike wasn't talking. Um, yeah, and uh, Hermes' voice is just very normal. Yeah, um, uh, it's in the dub. It's a little different. You, sh- you show me the dub, and then they put an effect on it, so you know it's a bike talking. Yeah, it's a um, weird. Which... Yeah, it's 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 like the, my least favorite choice in uh, the dub, which otherwise I think is really good. I yes. really like uh, the dub voice for Kino, mm-hmm. um, because it makes her it makes her seem like older uh, than the Japanese voice in a way that I think suits the character. Um, Partially because when I first, like, I watched the first couple of episodes in Japanese, and then uh, I was feeling kind of down and switched to the dub because I was laying down that day. Um, and uh, it was, like, my first reaction to Kino was, like, the androgyny is definitely the point you see. It's like, oh, this little boy going around the world. And then it's, uh, you know, it's a girl going around the world. But then also I had the gut reaction of an anime about, like, a t- young teen girl. Like, is this going to get gross? And thankfully it does not. Yeah. But you, you never know when you b- bump into an anime. <laughs> You never know. You never know. You mentioned the dog. Um, considering where, where you're at in GDP right now, uh, the dog is voiced by Chibity. Oh, thank God! Oh, Amazing! Oh, yes, Chibity's a dog. <laughs> also Yazan, but you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, man, I love Chibity Crockett. What a good guy. Oh, he's a hero. He's a hero. That's yeah. incredible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I think that's everything I, think, I have. Yeah, I think I this think is a really it. good show, though. Uh, people should watch it. Um, good show. Yeah. Yep. I really appreciated it. Uh, I enjoyed how... Um, like, it didn't feel super consequential mm-hmm. um, in a way that I appreciated, honestly. Like, it was just a cool show. Uh, I watched it too quickly because I had a deadline, and then I also spent too long playing an RPG. Um, <laughs> yep. But the ideal way, like, this is a show built to be watched every week. Hey, it's time to watch some Kinos. And then you'll watch the show, and then it'll be, like, a good 20 minutes, and you'll feel good about it, and then you'll carry on with your day. Um, that is how I would recommend people watch it if they haven't. Yeah. Uh, because, it, it, like, even more than other standalone shows, there's just no plot. It is, uh, it's not Slice of Life or Hangout, but it, like, it hits those same vibes, and it's also not something you want to, like, s- sit in for hours, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, by choice, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the space of it really works, and um, that's just good. I, I'm used to just because of the things we select more than anything, not because of any trends. I'm used to watching anime that is like overarching plots. You know, watched eight episodes in a day, Log Horizon type stuff. <laughs> yeah. If anyone um, has watched Mushishi, it's kind of like a similar pacing and vibe to that um or okay. if you like this show mushishi's a good show uh, similar that is one that literally everyone i know recommends and i have not it's watched good. it's so. long so probably not gonna be beach house but it's a it's a good show you know pop pop a few episodes in every once in a while cool 
Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for the suggestion uh, for this episode. Yes. Uh, we, we loved it. We really loved the show. Um, thank you for being on the mm-hmm. episode. Thank you for knowing things about who's like works on what. Definitely uh, do have to like refresh myself on uh, all the stuff to, to not keep it up there, but it's uh, I'm glad you all liked it. And uh, I'm glad it landed and we had enough to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Ended up being pretty good. Um, yeah, so next time, probably in like three weeks to be my guest from the time this releases, uh, we will have an episode on High Body Renmei, uh, which is a 13 episode, uh, show. Pretty sure it's on, uh, just like Crunchyroll. Um, I think the person who s- suggested it said that. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, it is on Funimation. Find stuff. There you go. I've got that. <laughs> uh, Yahoo Anime Rules, as always, will get you where you need to go. <laughs> um, and uh i'm excited for that because i don't know anything about it <laughs> me neither i don't even think i have it i think i have to go find that one yeah so uh we'll be doing that uh until then uh do you have anywhere people can find you or do you just want to be time and patience from this podcast uh that you know that's kind of me uh, i guess i'm gonna plug anything um if anyone works in um I guess, uh, events or conventions. Uh, there is a, uh, film by Nakamura that has not had a wide release at all. Uh, it's called, uh, Tom Cat's Big Adventure, the English title. Um, mm-hmm. if you go to, I think, at Project Tomcat or, um, things of that nature, they worked on it for like five years. It has a lot of very talented people who, uh, were on it. It's kind of his, uh, first film. Uh, and it got like a, kickstarter-esque thing in japan so it had like a few hundred blu-ray releases but it's not available in english um and, but they're open to um work with uh, conventions to show it so uh that sounds uh like a thing i would want to watch <laughs> yes for sure mm-hmm. uh, uh jackson would you like to do plugs then? yeah i will do plugs you can find me at headfuls off on twitter.com you can find the other podcasts uh, that we do at abnormalmapping.com, uh, including Abnormal Mapping, where a big podcast on Final Fantasy VII Remake just came out uh, last week. So if you've played that, uh, then you should go listen to that podcast. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, one, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, we have a bunch of podcasts, obviously. One that I do is And Then an Airplane, which is a Studio Ghibli rewatch podcast. Our episode on uh, My Neighbors, the Yamadas, would have just come out when this, a couple days ago when this goes live. So please check that out. Um, and then, you know, we're supported at Patreon, patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, for $1 a month, you can get The Great Gundam Project, which we have just wrapped G Gundam, and we are well on our way to gundam wing and uh space a runaway idion which i'm excited to watch both of those shows so much um i just realized i could end this cool and go watch the energy gundam <laughs> I, I did that last night it you know what it was pretty good so <laughs> uh finally the show showed up at the end um anyway it's not here neither here nor there but uh we have other <laughs> tiers where you can get extra podcasts and writing or even come on uh and tell us to watch an anime that you like just like time and patience did so uh Thank you again for making us watch this show uh, because it was incredible. It wasn't even on my radar before this. And uh, we'll be back again with more anime, always. <laughs> <laughs>